Welcome to the Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast, where you will learn career strategies and techniques to help you break down barriers, make more money, and thrive in your tech life at work and at home. Technology has never been more mission critical to our online stay-at-home world, and you are the key to its success. You'll hear from diverse women in tech as well as experts who share both personal and professional strategies so you can transform your work and your workplace from the inside out. I'm Karen Morstel, former Silicon Valley tech leader and serial CISO for iconic brands like AT&T Wireless, Microsoft, and Russell Investments. I hope you will join me in my mission and message of resilience and transformation to make an inclusive and equitable tech industry. If you find this show helpful, please leave us a like and share it. And don't forget to hurry over to createyourleadingedge.com to join innovative and affordable group coaching for women in tech on your terms. And now on to Mojo Maker for Women in Tech. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Today I have a habit building expert. And you know, I never realized how easy it could be to build healthy habits until I talked to Edie DeVilbis. So you are in for a treat today. I'm glad you're here and I hope you'll have a listen. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast. Today I have a very special guest with me and I'd love to tell you just a little bit about her. Edie DeVilbis is passionate about sharing her discoveries with you. Working in 911 dispatch for 14 years left her cranky, fat, and cynical. She suffered compassion fatigue, health problems, and spiritual malaise. Over the following 20 years, she intentionally renewed her life. And along the way, she earned an, a Master's of Science and an MDiv and served as an addictions counselor and chaplain before retiring in 2020. Now enjoying a peaceful, thin, and joyful life she loves, it is her delight to help others in their journey. Invite your best future through working with her. You'll gain simple and actionable tools to shape a life you love. She offers this quote, good habits are the key to success. Bad habits are the unlocked door to failure from Ogmandino. And you can find her at www.shapegoodhabits.com. Edie, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much, Karen. I'm delighted to be here. You, we have we share a lot in common with the chaplaincy, and chaplaincy is actually what brought me back to tech. So I want to talk a little bit, you know, these paths that we take, that you've taken through your life, and now you're here working with people, helping them shape good habits. I would love to know more about your path, about how you followed this from working in 911 to discovering this process you have for helping us build habits that we need to build. In answering your question, the thread that has gone through every career that I've had and still have is that I love helping people. I actually, my first career, I look back as a licensed child care provider in my home so I could stay home with my kids. And then I went into 911. When I was at 911, one of the things that happens in the workplace is there's, there's always seems to be one person around that 
just nobody wants to work with. And I always wondered about that, what it was like to be that person that people did not want to hang out with. And then one day I found out for myself, I walked into the 911 center where I was scheduled to work and the other people were talking and laughing. And when I said hi there, everybody suddenly got busy and the air got colder and I was flushed with shame and embarrassment and felt really icky inside. And when I was putting my stuff in my locker, I, I thought, they are so rude. It, it was a really long day and it was a really quiet day. A couple days later, I had a run-in with two of my kids, and I walked away feeling the same way. A lot of it was because I was clearly wrong in the run-in with my kids. And a few days later, I was having coffee with a friend of mine who said, uh, well, I was whining to her. I told her the story, said what had happened, and she said, what's the common denominator here? And I leaned in and said, everybody in my life is rude. And she gave me this really stern look because she didn't laugh like I thought she would. She said, I'm worried about you. You have been really hard to get a hold of. It took us three weeks to plan a coffee date. We've been friends for years. I think you need help. Well, she was a really good friend. There's not everybody can tell you that and have it be heard. And so based on that conversation, I went to a counselor the counselor told me that I was suffering from compassion fatigue. Now, compassion fatigue is a cluster of symptoms that's very similar to PTSD, but it's a cluster of symptoms that arises from dealing with other people's pain. And it can be either a really overwhelming incident or it can be the buildup of many, many little incidents. I never had one of those calls that gets um, played on the news, but I had plenty of calls that were very hard on me. That downhill slide, it has symptoms of sleeplessness. I had that. Somatic complaints, which is physical complaints. I had that. There was a time when I would decide whether or not I was going to make it to work based on whether it bothered me that I was going to inconvenience my coworkers. You know, we were a tight-knit group. And if I really didn't care, then I was probably sick enough to stay home because I usually did care and I usually made myself go. And so I had all these problems and I was struggling. So eventually I left 911 and went to school and got into counseling and became an addictions counselor, which I would consider an act of God, which is also compassionate work. And also, you hear a lot of negative stories. People don't get to addiction in a linear path. They usually go through some awful before they get there. And then I went on to seminary. And when I came out, I was assigned to be a chaplain at a children's home working with adolescents who have mental health and behavior health issues and ran into the same thing again. Now, in each of my compassionate fields, I've struggled with putting on weight, having somatic complaints, and struggling to find a way to take care of myself. And so I started looking into figuring that out many, many years ago. I'm a really smart person. 
and I couldn't seem to figure it out. I would start an exercise program and then something would happen and I would stop. I'd start an eating plan and something would would get in the way. I started a really good meditation program and that didn't last. And I finally discovered the principles of habit formation. And like Ogmandino says, the habits make up our lives. I mean, that was a long answer to a short question, Karen. What else do you want to know? Oh, oh that's, very, that's fascinating. I'm sitting here jotting down some notes because I have been through the, you, as you know, I, I was a chaplain too for a time and that compassion fatigue is real. And, and it struck me, just a side note, that I think a lot of people who are listening right now who are so overwhelmed with caring about everything that's going on around us, not only for themselves and the world and the community and their family, but, you know, we have outside events that are coming on the horizon that people really care about mm-hmm. very deeply. And I wonder if we don't have a lot of compassion fatigue going on out there. I, I suspect we do. And I suspect that if it's not compassion fatigue, it's something on the way to it. The struggle, the stressors of our lives are so incredible. People work full time and they try to manage a family, manage a household. And then uh, you get to a certain age and your parents need help. Or when you have small children, that's a new stressor. And there are all kinds of things that come at us. You know, grief can be an overwhelming stressor for us. And it's very difficult to get through without strong habits. But we also have a culture that doesn't support healthy habits. We have this food system where it is very cheap in the short run to eat very poorly. You know, Taco Bell, I don't want to call out brand names, but... (laughs) Pick any fast food restaurant. Any fast food restaurant. Any fast food restaurant. You might be able to find nutritious food, but there is likely to be extra fat and extra sugar added to it to where it is not healthy for us. And so we don't support wellness very well in our larger community. It takes intentionality. It wasn't until I realized that, you know, they say that really healthy food is expensive compared to really unhealthy food. I guess it is, but that's not what we need to compare it to. Compared to a heart attack, healthy food is cheap. Compared to a stroke, healthy food is a bargain. But we don't necessarily think of that comparison. And so the the strategies that I have based on other people's work, you know, James Clear and Charles Duhigg have done phenomenal work in researching habits. It's really simple to start a habit, but we, we tend to want to start in the wrong place. Well, I want to get into that. Let's do this on the show. On this episode today, I would love you to take me through the process of anticipating a future event that's likely to send me a little bit off the rails. Okay. <laughs> and, and I'm guessing that based on what I'm seeing on social media, that's going to be the case for a lot of people listening. Yes. And then you can walk me through how to start anticipating 
you know, how this stressor is going to affect me and help me build a, a habit that I really need to, I really need okay. to build. How's that okay. sound? That sounds wonderful. Now, do you have a habit in mind that you want to start? Because well, let's, let's do this because here's what, I'll just give you my, a little bit of my profile and we'll see how many people who are listening can relate to some of this because I know many of us don't pay attention to what we eat. Usually my issues revolve around eating. My habit is when I get really busy or I am under pressure, I forget to eat until my body is start like I'm having a blood sugar event. <laughs> mm-hmm. So one of the things that I would love to talk about, Edie, is the, I'm on social media a, a lot. I'm online a lot. Uh, many of the people who are listening to us today are in the digital world and online. That's just part of our work, the nature of the work we do in the tech mm-hmm. community. And I am really struck by how much my my stress level is going up mm. <laughs> in these days. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would say leading up yeah. to November 3rd, there's a certain amount of, of stress involved in all of that. We have a month to go before that happens. Mm-hmm. And I would love to understand better about healthy habits to help me get through this season. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So one of the time-honored traditions that keep people stable is meditation. Now, when I first heard about meditation, it was from a gentleman who was explaining to me that he meditates two hours a day. I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen for me. I bought a book on meditation and it says you need to sit in the lotus position and you need to have a mantra and say om or whatever. That's just not me. It's just not me. But what I've discovered is that even five minutes of sitting still and being quiet helps us. And so the first thing I would recommend is that you establish a routine in your day of having three to five minutes where you just sit and listen to yourself breathe. And that's a, that's the baby step toward meditation. And so when I started it, you, it's a good idea to tie a new habit to something that you already do, because our brain does not want us to change. Change sounds like danger to our brain, feels like danger to our brain, and it does not want us to change. And so if we tag it to something else and make it part of another routine, it kind of slides in under the radar and it and it doesn't freak our brain out as much. Now, we'll still resist it because we resist change. It's natural and human. But what I did was I tied it to my morning coffee. So I couldn't drink my coffee until I had my five minutes of silence. But not making the coffee before I had five minutes of silence felt like punishment, and I'm not interested in punishing myself. I made my coffee, poured it into my cup. I sat down and held it under my nose and smelled it while I sat there and and thought about breathing. Now, in breathing, that breathing practice help me stay centered. I find it remarkable with the people that I've worked with how much difference it makes almost immediately. 
within about five days, people will say that they've been better able to maintain their temper and better able to stay to stay calm in a moment. So that's what I would recommend. You don't have to tag it to your coffee, but establish yourself a routine of sitting in silence for five minutes and see if that makes a difference for your stress level. I, I'm betting that it will. So, so the scenario here is go make my cup of coffee, go sit down someplace where I'll be uninterrupted. Don't open my laptop. <laughs> right. And sit and concentrate on breathing like oxygen yes. and all of that. And just do that for five minutes. Just five minutes. Like that's doable. It is. It, the funny thing is, is you'd be, you would really be embarrassed to tell yourself you don't have time. Wouldn't you? Right. right. Yeah. And, and that it's too hard and that it's yeah. not yeah. really. Yeah. This, yeah. it strikes me. So let me ask you, I think that that's a very doable thing yeah. for me. I might have to put a sign on the coffee maker. Yes. <laughs> to you have, to, to, you have to remind yourself all over the place. Put a sign on the coffee maker, write it on your bathroom mirror, put a sticky note on your toothbrush, whatever you need to do. Remind yourself. But a new habit always needs to be pleasurable. It needs to be something you really enjoy. So when it felt like punishment, I wouldn't do it. But when it felt like pleasure, I would. And you've got to keep it really small and doable. But the power tool is to celebrate. When you do it. When you do it. Um, Actually, I recommend celebrating that you track it. And so what I recommend is you have a calendar that you put an X mark on every day or a sticker. I love stickers. Or get an accountability partner. That's that's real juicy to get an, account, an accountability partner. Somebody that you can just send a quick text to. I have accountability partners that I send a thumbs up to when I do my new task. A thumbs up. That's all. Just an and emoji. Just like an emoji. emoji. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love and that. So, but but <laughs> a powerful thing to do is discipline yourself that when you don't, do it. When something happens, the phone rings, you get a text, you have something to check on first thing, and you think you're going to do it later and the day goes by, you know that if you don't do it now, it's not going to happen. Send a different emoji. Still track it. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a there is an emoji on my cell phone. I think it's on a lot of them that looks like a pile of, of manure. And so, pile of poo. <laughs> yes. and so that's the one I send if I skip my power habit. There's something about that connection and the celebration. And so, yeah, if you will celebrate that you're doing it, that you're tracking it, that tells your brain that it's okay, that this is a good thing. It, it quells some of the danger signals. So tell me a little bit about what what people are going to experience. Like, what will they notice that's different from doing something like this? Because this sounds like super easy, almost like it's so easy that it won't matter. But you're telling me this matters. It matters. It matters a lot. And so what it does is it gives us a little bit of margin in our brain to think about things. 
Now, focusing on your breath for five minutes sounds like it's easy. It is not. Because focusing on anything for five minutes is not easy for any of us. Even people who focus well have a hard time just sitting and thinking about one thing. And so we process things that happen. We're able to problem solve when we're trying to just pay attention to our breath. It's like we have it. I don't know if people remember the eight track tapes, but it's like where our brains are eight track tapes. We've got eight tracks running at the same time. And there's part of us that is problem solving, hunting for things and doing that kind of work, no matter what we're thinking about. And so it gives us margin. And so problem solving comes easier. It gives us a comma. I used to pray for the kids at the children's home that they would get a comma because they overreact. They react too immediately to stimuli. And we need to not react quickly. We need to take a moment to think when we feel like something's not quite right. Oh, Um, boy, oh, boy, do we all need a little bit of that. Yeah. Like to act instead of react, right? Yes. The comma between... (laughs) The, <laughs> the stimulus and, and then deciding to take some action or say some yeah. words you might regret. Yeah. 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 And so you'll be better able to, to do that. It will help you learn to focus better. I've been doing this for several years and I, I still struggle with focus. I was going to say sometimes, but that would kind of dilute it. No, I still struggle to focus, but it's not as bad as it used to be. I ain't well, but I sure am better. I love this so much because, first of all, I mean, I'm one of those people that says, all right, for every, in every morning, my centering exercise or whatever my goal needs to be is I'm going to go walk three miles and walk the dog. And, you know, like I have this list and there's all kinds of things that can get in the way of that. But literally five minutes after I make a cup of coffee to just practice that focus and to center my spirit, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. is is so doable and it's an easy win. Like it seems to me that, you know, they tell us that if we will have an accomplishment that we do complete and then we do celebrate it, that we're really training ourselves. And, and that I think that might be the basis from what you've told me before of creating habits that really last. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Celebrate it. And wait until the habit is completely established before you go on to try to add another habit. We tend to want to overload ourselves. When I wanted to start walking, I started walking three miles and I didn't keep it up. So after you establish a habit, then make the next habit very, very small. I did better when I started to, instead of tracking walking three miles, I track whether or not I put on my walking shoes. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was when I think we talked before when I was trying to go to the gym in the morning, I just tracked getting in the car. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's kind of all downhill from there, right? Once you get past that hurdle. Yeah. Once you get in the car, you're either going to go or you're not. And yeah. And giving yourself permission to not, I think, is pretty powerful, you know. To not do the habit? Yeah. Giving yourself permission to say, you know, I don't have to do this every day. 
I'm choosing it for myself today. But I don't have to I don't have to plan on doing this every day forever, just today. One day at yeah. a time. You know, that's something I learned in addictions counseling, that people freak out when you think that, that you're going to be able to do something every day the rest of your life or not do something every day for the rest of your life. Yeah. You don't have to live your whole life today. I was watching Frozen 2 with my little granddaughter last week, and the scene where she talks about just doing the next right thing. Yes. It's such a powerful scene. And if you haven't mm-hmm. if you're listening to the show and you haven't seen that, there are days where that's the best advice. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's just going to be the best advice. So Edie, I'm thinking ahead, right? We have had such a year. Every, people who listen to the show work in highly stressful mm-hmm. You are no no stranger to that. I mean, it strikes me from 911 to addictions counselor and then doing mental and behavioral health in a children's home. Those are all high-stress occupations. So mm-hmm. this, is, this is something you're really familiar with. And you mentioned that it was hard on your health. It was hard for you to have those habits while you were doing it. And you've developed this technique that you're using for if you can think back while you were in the midst of that struggle, you know, as a 911 dispatcher, what would it have taken for you then to implement one five minute healthy habit? Anything in particular to get you there? I would have needed a guide. I needed somebody to tell me what to do. I could not decide what to do differently. I got advice from anyone that I could talk to. And it was all conflicting. And then left to my own devices, I could not make a decision. I did not have the emotional margin to make a decision. I would have needed a guide. I would have needed someone to champion me and to say, this is what you need to do. And how can I help you do it? And let's let's find a way because you're worth it. Yeah, that rings a bell with me too, having been you know, in the throes of burnout and also compassion fatigue, you do need, you need somebody who's essentially going to tuck you in at night, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That feeling of being cared for and having somebody who has got your back. Uh Somebody who sees you. I think of it as a champion, someone who's my champion. And I have had the privilege of becoming my own champion but that I don't think that's the fastest way. I think that being the champion for other people will be of use to them. And I've seen it demonstrated with some of my people that speaking life into them and speaking, yeah, that it is hard. It is hard. It's hard to start a new habit. It's hard to take care of ourselves. There is nothing more worthwhile you know, human beings are, are interesting. We are the only species that we know of who has the capacity to delay gratification, to say, I'm going to have a harder time now to give myself an easier time later. And we have that capacity, but it's not, it's not something we want to do. It's not something that, that we light up and say, oh, I'm going to suffer now so I don't suffer so much later. 
Because sometimes, you know, when, when the sergeant brings a bunch of pizza to work to celebrate something, it would be really hard to say no. <laughs> that's, not, that's not useful for my long-term well-being. Right. But, but our long-term well-being really is worth it. So That really rings a bell as well. The idea that it's a double-edged sword for us. Because we can anticipate the future, which I think is unlike any other species that we know of. And number one, that gives us incentive. Number two, it also gives us anxiety. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so so I'm speaking to those of you who are out listening today. There's a bunch of you, and I know where you're at because I'm looking at your social media. And that, you know what? This is... There's so much going on and so much that we have deep concerns about. That's something we can always talk about more in another episode is how to choose and pick and choose what you're going to care about. But the thing that I want you to listen to and hear from Edie today is there is a very simple first step, the next right thing that will help you get through this season that we're coming up on that's going to take us through November, which you guys know is just a really loaded landmine if you're paying if you're if you're tied into you know watching what's what's happening in the in the news or even not on the news but just on social media. So mm-hmm. please take to heart that this is a very doable first step that will have big, big payoff and big benefits for you. And don't try to do it by yourself. If there is a, you know, this is something that you want to undertake, I'd highly, highly encourage you to consider looking for a guide, someone like Edie, and we'll get Edie, we'll get your info here in a second. So people know how to get a hold of you that will help you through this. Believe me, I've been through this myself multiple times. And there's moments where you can feel like you're literally watching life go by from the inside of a paper bag. Mm -hmm. Like it can get pretty dark in there. And you don't want to find yourself in that spot. You want to know that there's a person who's got a hand out to you that's going to pull you back from that edge or help you get your way out of that paper bag. And start to see, you know, the daylight again and breathe the fresh air again and feel like alive again. So this is like powerful. I am so excited about this, Edie, because you're the first person I've really heard break it down into how to make this happen. And I know you do this in lots of other ways, but you're breaking it down like get centered. Here's a very simple way to do it. It's five minutes. It's tied to your morning coffee, tea, or whatever it is that, you know, beverage you you have as part of your morning ritual, that's easy. We can do that, mm-hmm. right? We can have a win and, yes. and make it, you know, like tomorrow. So Absolutely. Today even. Yeah. yeah, you can do it today. It doesn't have to be in the morning. You can do it before right. bedtime. You can do it whenever you want. Multiple times a day, maybe. Yes, yes. I have one of the dispatchers that I work with does it several times a day. So That, that yeah. is beautiful. You know, I, I, I'm just going to interject this because it's, 
kind of a validation too. I didn't actually realize it until we just had this conversation, but I did it several times a day when I was in chaplaincy. And that was, we had so many people to see during the day. And in between each room, I had a 60 second prayer. Mm. Um, and I had a little ritual with my hands, like I had to wash my hands. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would start the prayer while I was washing my hands. And then I would continue that with a breath before I went into the next room. And I can attest to it that that really, really, really helped me. And what you're describing here is something that is, is similar and powerful. Yeah. It gives us the space to be able to connect it to that which is beyond, you know, I don't promote a specific mm -hmm. religious belief, but I do promote being connected to the universal force of love. Right. So yeah. Divine yeah. love, I would call Divine it. Yeah. Love. Yes. So make space for that. Wow. Thank you. Edie. So let me get, ask you now, like how can people find out more about what you're doing and uh, get in touch with you? Okay. My website is www.shapegoodhabits.com. S-H-A-P-E-G-O-O-D-H-A-B-I-T-S.com. And I am Edie DeVilbus, I believe, on all the social media, on LinkedIn and on Facebook and on, what is that other one? Oh, Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, I just retired this what year and I still tease that I am kicking and screaming into the 21st century because all this tech stuff is brand new to me. So my social media is not well branded. It's not, it's, but you can reach me there and I am open to being reached out to because I love people and I believe that you're worth it. I believe that your, your work and your light has value to this world and not just to this world, not just to the people that are around you, but to future generations. We need to find a way to allow ourselves to be that human who exudes love. And this is one way. It's a one step on that journey. Thank you so much for that reminder and also for a very easy to do technique that will help us on that path. You're welcome. Amazing. You're welcome. It's been so delightful to talk with you. I hope we'll get a chance to do it again soon. I hope so too, Karen. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Edie. Be well. You too. Bye-bye. That's it for today's show. Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast is part of the ecosystem of knowledge sharing and affordable group coaching to help reverse the trend of women leaving tech and to help diverse women in male-dominated industries get the visibility, opportunities, and compensation they deserve. Be sure to check out our five-day challenge by visiting us online at createyourleadingedge.com. Like what you hear? Subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you listen to the show. We'll be back again next week. Be well, stay strong, and remember, be an ally.